Looks like the right side wins tonight. <laughs> Good job. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll get started. Dear Father, we come. We're thankful for today. We're thankful for uh, you. We're thankful for the good things you give us and you show us. We're thankful for the rain uh, that you sent. We praise you for that. We're thankful for uh, our church and the opportunity to come together tonight and to hear from you, um, to, to hear from your truth, from your word. I pray, Lord, that it would shape us, that it would equip us, that it would prepare us uh, to stand as your people. Lord, I pray for the, the kids' classes that are meeting tonight. Again, the same thing that a foundation is stacked, is built upon, is laid that will that will stand. I pray for our youth. Uh, so many hard, crazy things they will face and they do face. I pray for the truth again to be stacked for them uh, that will hold an anchor that will not move. And so we just trust all this to you. We we pray that you again speak tonight, but that you're also uh, pleased and glorified and known in our meeting tonight. And I pray all of this in Christ's name, in Jesus' name, Amen. Glad you're here. We're going to get started tonight. The grand scheme of things, we're already in week 24. Uh, we're just in the book of Joshua. We're not going very fast, moving very quickly. Uh, we're, we're going to start week 24 today. Our lesson today, if you have your worksheet, is a decision to make. A decision to make. Our verses are found in Joshua chapter 23 and chapter 24. We won't read all of those tonight, as is our pattern. Uh, you, you'll be able to read those on your own. We're going to pull our verses out of that. Joshua chapter 23 and 24, and then Judges, jump into the book of Judges, chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. All right, the key point for tonight, and we're just going to see it reinforced all the way through our lesson, is that God's people must daily decide if they will trust and honor him. Now think about that, each word. God's people must daily decide if they will trust and honor him. All right, we're going to start on your worksheet with a section called A Call to Be Different. A Call to Be Different. God's plan uh, was to build for himself a people. Now, that's the promise made to Abraham. He's going to uh, set aside, call to himself, build for himself a people. And his call to his people uh, is to be different. The, one of the words is to be holy a word that means set aside. Sometimes we, we wonder what that means. It just means set aside, different, not like the others, uh, people that are holy, uh, to be not like the rest of the world that exists around us. Uh, the difference, this difference, is to point to him. It is to honor him, and it's to please and bless him. So God's building for himself a people. That people, they're not supposed to look like the rest of the world. They're not supposed to match the rest of the world. And the difference is supposed to point to him. All right, let's start off with our verses tonight. Joshua chapter 23, starting in verse 4. See, I have apportioned to you these nations which remain as an inheritance for your tribes with all the nations which I have cut off from the Jordan even to the great sea toward the setting of the sun. The Lord your God, he will thrust them out from before you and drive them out before you, and you will possess their land, just as the Lord your God promised you. Verse 6, be very firm, listen to these words, be very firm then to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. Verse 7, so that you will not associate with these nations, these which remain among you, or mention the name of their gods, 
or make anyone swear by them or serve them or bow down to them. I'm going to jump down to verse 12. For if you ever go back and cling to the rest of these nations, these which remain among you, and intermarry with them so that you associate with them and they associate with you, verse 13, I know with certainty that the Lord your God will not continue to drive out these nations before you, but they will be a snare and a trap to you and a whip on your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Understand, God's people have moved into the promised land. Uh, They are to drive out the people there. It says actually God's going to drive those people out. And it says of the people that remain in the promised land, they're not to mix with them. They're not to take on their customs. Uh, They're not to absorb their culture. It says they're not to marry them. And that's one of the ways that they would uh, mix the customs. They're not to marry them. And they're for sure not to worship their gods. It says don't even say their names. So you're going into the land. These folks that are here, don't act like them. Don't look like them. Don't take on their customs. You're to be different. They are to be unique, not like them. Well, I want you to think about this, and it's going to be a pretty easy flip back and forth from them to us today. In the same way, God's people, Christians, are to be different from the culture. Now, sometimes we think, our goal is to fit in. Our goal is not to cause any, any, any uproar or anything like that. Well, the truth is, we as followers of Christ, God's people, we're to be different from the culture that we live in. First Peter chapter 1, verse 16, quoting from the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus, says, be holy as I am holy. So again, there's that word. Be different. Be set aside. God's people, Christians, are not to look like the culture we exist in. Another passage in, in 1 Peter in the New Testament says we're to be a peculiar people. It actually translates a strange people. And so when you see Christians, how they talk, how they do business, how they act, they're supposed to be peculiar. They're supposed to be a strange people. In the New Testament, it tells us not to love the world, not to love the things of the world. They were to be different from the world they existed in. Today, we're to be different from the world that we exist in as well. Now, here's the question. Does it really matter? God says, as believers today, don't look like the world you exist in. Does it really matter? What happens, now I want you to think about this, what happens when we're not different from the world that we exist in? And just think about that. Is it a big deal? Does it matter? What happens when we look just like the world that we exist in. And I think that's a temptation that always occurs. Here's a couple things. When we look like the world that we exist in, the first thing we do is we reflect poorly on God. God is our Savior. He changes our hearts. He saves us in the person of Christ. When we look like the world around us, we reflect poorly on God. When we look like the world around us, we reflect poorly on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember in the gospel, it's the power of God unto salvation and the hearing the gospel, uh, when we put our faith in Christ, we're saved. When we look like the world around us, when we think like them, respond like them, it reflects poorly on the gospel. And here's the biggest one, and really it entails both of those. The biggest thing, when we're not different from the world that we live in, it robs our faith 
for, of its uniqueness. Now, what I mean by that is this. When we're not different from the world that we exist in, we talk the same, we watch the same shows, and we have the same activities, we cheat the same, we lie the same. When we're just like the world that we live in, it robs our faith of its uniqueness, which means this. We're just like everybody else. And so somebody comes along and says, what's the difference in a Muslim and you? Well, we're just like everybody else. What's the difference in an atheist and you? Well, no difference. We're just like everyone else. It robs our faith of its uniqueness when we're just like everybody else. When we live like everybody else, think like everybody else. We are to be different. So that's the first thing we see. They were not to match the world they lived in. Today, we're not to match the world that we live in. The next thing we see is a history of faithfulness. If you have your worksheet, a history of faithfulness. Joshua chapter 23, verse 14. Now behold, Joshua's wrapping up his, his, his life. He says this, now behold, today I'm going the way of all the earth. He's going to die. And you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one word of all the good works which the Lord your God spoke concerning you has failed. Not one word has failed. All have been fulfilled for you. Not one of them has failed. Now I want you to think about that. At the place where the Israelites are standing, as they think about God, they have a history of his faithfulness and his dealings with them. In fact, as, as they stand where they stand, that's all they have is a history of God's faithfulness in his dealings with them. That's all he's ever been. Now, now you can make a list. This is a short list. The promises that were made to Abraham, they would have a land, they would be a people. Check, check. Both of those are accomplished. It, told, it says that one of the promises, they would be 400 years in the land of Egypt, they would be delivered out. Guess what? Check, that's been accomplished. His care of the people, they were preserved in the drought by going to Egypt. Check. He heard their cries. Check. He sent them a deliverer, Moses. Check. He crushed Egypt. Check. There was manna and quail and water. Check, check, check. He led them with his own presence. Where do you go? What speed do you go? I'll lead you with my own presence. He does that. He brings them across the Jordan River. Remember, it's in flood stage. He's faithful there. They get across the Jordan River. There's Jericho, big old walls and 10,000 warriors. Check, God takes care of them as well. All they know of God is that he's faithful and he's trustworthy. In fact, that's all they know. He is trustworthy. If he says it, he did it. If he said it, it's come to pass. That is all they know of God. He is faithful he is miraculously able to do all that needs to be done. Now, think about that. Well, some of these things, you know, he could just do. But what about the army of Egypt as it's crushed in the Red Sea? What about crossing the Jordan River? He's able to do what nobody could do. He's able to do what you couldn't conceive that he could do. He's miraculously able to do all that needs to be done. One of the last lines of that verse, all have been fulfilled. All right, I want you to think about today, you. In your dealings with God, and, and you know what? Life is hard, life is tough. God, God tells us as we follow Christ, it's going to be hard. But I want you to think about in God's dealings with you. Where did he lie to you? 
that you could say, you know what, that was a lie. And God, God promised this, but he didn't deliver. Where did he fail you? Well, he failed me here and he failed me there. When did he abandon you? Can you ever say, well, here's where he abandoned me. Here's where he left me. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. Think about his care for you. And I think this is a staggering thing. All the good things. And you can sit here and say, well, I didn't expect this to happen. And I didn't mean, I didn't mean for this to happen. And if you know about my marriage, and if you know about my finances, and you can build a list to complain about. But then I want you to think about all the good things. Awesome things. Kids. Grandkids. Uh, th good things, a rain that comes right in time, on and on and on, all the good things where God's been gracious to us. And most of all, of all those things is a Savior. If we have no Savior, we're, we're lost. Uh, we're going to perish. We have no hope. And you know what? He promises a Savior, and in the person of Jesus Christ, he sends us a Savior. All they have was a history of faithfulness with God. You know what? All we have is a history of faithfulness with God. And then that leads us to this, all right? See how this is progressing. We're supposed to be different. Our history with God is he's always done the right thing. He's always kept his word. And that leads us to this, a matter of trust, a matter of trust. Stay with me. Where will your trust be placed? And your trust is placed somewhere where are you trusting? Where's your trust placed? Will you trust God or will you trust someone or something other than God? That's the question. Where's your trust placed? It's placed somewhere. Will you trust God or will you trust someone or something other than God? Now, let me give you some things we might trust in. Some folks trust in themselves. You know what? I can't trust anybody. Nobody is reliable. I'll do it myself. I'll take care of it and I'll trust in myself. Others say, you know what, I'm going to trust in the government. They, they're going to take care of things. They'll fix things. If we get this government, it's going to work out. If we get that government system, it's going to work out. Others trust in experts. And they think, well, you know what, God tells us how to be saved, but it gives us experts for all these other things. And so if an expert says, this is how you raise your kids, I'm going to trust them. If an expert says, this is what you do with your money, I'm going to trust them. So folks, trust experts. Others trust their wealth. And I think that's the, one of the myths of our culture. Um, if I get enough money, it'll be fine. If I get these things paid off, it'll be fine. If I get the retirement this big, it'll be fine. Uh, we saw on Sunday night, wealth is fleeting. And a lot of folks put their trust in their wealth and it does not last. Popular thought. Uh, a lot of folks trust popular thought, which means everybody's doing this. Everybody's buying this. Everybody's doing these things, uh, and, they, and they trust popular thought. The question is this, who or what are you going to trust those things, or are you going to trust God? Now, think about this. Once again, we've seen this for a couple weeks. Obedience or disobedience is really a matter of trust in all instances. If it's with your kids or if it's with us and God, obedience or disobedience is really a matter of trust. Now, let me give you an example. God says in his word, do this thing. And you can pick the thing. Here's the thing. Do this thing. He says it's the best way to live. He says it honors him. It points to him. And he tells us if you do this thing, 
I will bless you. So you pick the thing. There's a whole bunch of them. God says, do this thing. If you do it, I'm going to bless you. If you do it, it's going to be the best way to live. If you do it, it's going to point to him and honor him. The question then becomes, do you trust him? Or do you trust someone or something else, most likely himself, yourself? Well, here's the deal. God, having nothing but a history of faithfulness, calls them and then calls us to trust him. Now, see that? God, who's never let us down, who has never lied, he calls us to trust him. If you go read it, the 23rd and the 24th chapter, most of the chapter... Joshua is reminding them of all the things God has done. He delivered us from here. He took over them. He pushed them out. He tells them then, he is faithful, so live according to his word. Let me read some more verses. Chapter 23, verses starting in verse 6. Be very, listen to these words, be very firm, solid, then to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, so that you may not turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. Verse 7, so that you will not associate with these nations, these which remain among you, or mention the name of their gods, or make anyone swear by them, or serve them, or bow down to them. Verse 8, but you are to cling to the Lord your God, as you have done this day. What do you do? You keep his word and you cling to God. Jumping down to verse 11. So take diligent heed, careful heed to yourselves to love the Lord your God. All right, God says this. He's never let them down and so he calls them to obey him, to trust him. He says, here's what you do. Two things. Cling to him and keep his word. Keep his word and cling to him. To him. That word for cling, you go in the original language, in the Hebrew language, it's a word that means stick like glue. And that's actually what it, what it means. Stick like glue. And so God says, stick like glue to my word. Stick like glue to him. Now let me put this together for us today. What does that mean to us? Here's a bunch of verses. What does that mean to us? What's going to make us different? Now, remember, our call is to be different. What's going to make us different? What's going to make us different from the rest of the world is going to be our holding to God and our holding to his word. What separates us from the culture is sticking to God and sticking to his word. Now, let me give you some practical examples. So if God says in his word, Handle your finances like this. Now, you might be surprised to know God tells us how to handle our finances. If God says, handle your finances like this, or if he says, live in your marriage like this, God tells us how to be married, tells the wife what to do, the husband what to do, tells us what to do as a married couple. If God says, here's what you do in your marriage. If God says, use your mouth like this, And we're seeing on Sunday nights, God says a lot about how we use our mouth. Here's the deal. If he says that today, which he has, we have to trust him. We have to stick with him and stick to his word. 
God says, you know what? Marriage is between one man and one woman. You know what? We can't change that. We can't say, well, popular opinion says something else. We have to stick with what God says. You just go down the list. God says, handle your finances in this way. We can't say, well, times are different. Times have changed. We have to do what God says. Now, let me say this. That may seem too outdated. And I'll just tell you, to be honest, that may seem too costly. That for sure is going to be against public opinion. And it may not even be what you want to do. Sometimes you just go, I don't want to do that. It may not be what you want to do. And that brings us to the next point, and that is this. You have a choice to make. So here's the deal. God tells us to be different. God tells us how we're going to be different is clinging to him and clinging to his word. God shows us he's never forsaken anybody. He's never lied. He's never broken a promise. So all those pieces built, all of that foundation laid, it brings us to this. So then you have a choice to make. You have a choice to make. The next section on your worksheet, whom will you serve? God calls us to be different. He tells us his history with us. He's completely trustworthy and faithful. He says, if you trust him, obey him, and that's what sets you apart. Then he says this, whom will you serve? All right, go to chapter 24, verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity, and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Let me read that again. Now, therefore, fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. Right, that word serve in the original language means to be under him. To serve the Lord means to place yourself under him. It means to take up that burden. It really means this, to live in full consideration of him. So I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to live, I'm going to walk in full consideration of God. I'm going to be under him. It says to serve him in sincerity and truth. Now those words mean honesty, fullness, not for show. Not partially, not halfway, not less than total. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to serve the Lord. We're going to put ourselves under him. We're going to live in total consideration of him, and we're going to do it with honesty. It means this. We're not bullcorning anybody. We're not half-stepping. We're not saying, well, I'm different here, but if you catch me somewhere else, I'll be something else. I'm different in business than I am when I'm at church. It is totally Submitting and being under him and doing it in fullness, not less than total. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Verse 15, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served which are beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Here it is. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua says, you choose. 
If this is disagreeable, you choose. Your house, you choose. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, I want you to notice the options here. My summary is this. My translation is this. He says, you can serve the gods of the past, where you've been, where you left. You can go back to that. Or you can serve the gods of the future, where you're going, the gods of the culture, the gods that everyone else is worshiping. And so he says, if you're not going to serve the Lord, choose who you're going to serve. You can serve the gods of the past, or you can serve the gods of the place where we're going, the, the, the culture that's ahead. Here's what I want you to see from that. As believers, our walks are made of. Now, here's the deal. In the New Testament, we're told as we've received Christ Jesus, now walk with him. We have a walk. Well, our walks are made of, consist of, a whole bunch of choices. Sometimes we think, well, I'm walking with Jesus, settle it, done. It's not how it works. Our walks, if you think about a walk, a walk's not uh, just this fast thing that happens. It's not, hey, I'm here and I'm there. A walk is a series of steps. You take a step and you take a step and it may be uphill and you take a step and it may be downhill and you take a step. Our walks are series of steps. Well, guess what? Our walks as Christians are made up of series of choices, choice after choice. Now, what that means is this. You have to decide, am I going to walk with God or am I not going to walk with God? Now, you may think, I'm going to make one decision. I'm going to walk with God. It's settled. It's not how it works. It is a series of decisions. You get up this morning. You're going to walk with God. You're not going to walk with God. It's a choice. You get somewhere and you're at work or you're in town. People are watching. You're going to walk with God or you're not going to walk with God. What if all your friends aren't walking with God? Nobody's watching. You're out somewhere. You're on the phone. Nobody knows what you're doing. Nobody's watching. Are you going to walk with God or are you not going to walk with God? The temptations are huge. And there's temptations that come. They're huge. Guess what? You can say, well, everybody's doing it. I didn't have any choice. You don't know how I was raised. Or you can decide, I'm going to walk with God or I'm not going to walk with God. Peer pressure. Walk with God, not walk with God. Little things. What about little things? You're going to walk with God or you're not going to walk with God? Huge things. You're going to walk with God or not walk with God? Your walk is a series of choices. And I want to tell you, here's the deal. You choose. You choose. You decide. You make the call. And here's, here's the deal where the world pushes back and says, I don't like that put on me. I want to blame somebody else. Well, that's my parents, or that's, you, it, that's how I was trained, or that's the school I came from, or, or you don't know how I was raised, or it must be somebody else's fault. Here's the deal. In your Christian walk, your spouse doesn't choose, your grandmammy doesn't choose, your friends don't choose. You choose how you walk. You decide, and you make the call. Do you look like the world? Do you compromise with the world or do you trust God, walk in obedience, cling to him and cling to his word? Now, here's what I want to say. That's a lot of words to get to this point. The daily choice matters. 
I think we get where with the daily choice doesn't matter. The daily choice matters. The choice at 10 o'clock in the morning, it matters. The choice at 2 o'clock, it matters. Each choice matters. Here's what I believe that is. That's the clinging to God. That's what it is to, to grab on and stick like glue. Hard decision, I'm sticking with God's word. Easy decision, I'm sticking with God's word. Pressure to make a different decision, I'm sticking with God's word. Each choice matters. Now, I was thinking about this. Did you know yesterday's choices don't really matter if you don't make the ones today to walk with God? And there's folks that say, I've been walking with God for 21 years, and I did this, and I did that, and we saw this. But I'm going to tell you this. You start walking in disobedience, you're going to reap the reward for that, the consequence for that. Yesterday's decisions do not matter. It is a series of choices, and it's the choice you have to make next. Each choice matters. Let me tell you this, and, and here's what I believe. We've been misled that following Jesus in faith, now we're saved by faith in Jesus. Following Jesus in faith is one decision. I think we've been misled. Here's the reality. Following Jesus in faith, it's all the decisions. He's the Lord. And so in all decisions, he's the Lord. I trust him in salvation. I trust him in marriage. I trust him in, in my moral choices. Following Jesus in faith is the whole thing of being under the totality of, of who he is. So it's not one decision. It's all the decisions. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, it's no longer they, I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. Every choice is submitted to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That is our Savior. That is our good news. It's not one choice. Yes, we receive him in faith, but that faith shapes all other decisions. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. The gods of the past, the gods where we're going. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let me read verse 15 again. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served, which are beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. All right, one last point. We're going to be through. Last section on your worksheet, it is a fearful pattern. A fearful pattern. I want you to see this. We have those verses. We love those verses. We, we put them on our walls. Choose for yourself whom you'll serve. The people hear that. And what do they do? They say, yeah, we're all in. There's no other God but, but our God. They say, yes, we're all in. Listen to this, chapter 24, verse 16. Verse 15, choose for yourself whom you'll serve. Verse 16, the people answered and said, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. The word means, forsake means to let go of and turn away from. The people answered and said, far be it from us that we would forsake the Lord and serve other gods. Verse 21, jumping down. Verse 20 says, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after he has done good to you. Verse 21, the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. 
They hear, they remember, they're reminded of God's faithfulness. They have a choice to make. They say this, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Here's the fearful pattern. Now I want you to watch this. Joshua dies. We start the book of Judges. Judges chapter 2, starting in verse 6. Listen, they say, we're in. Yeah, we choose God. We're going to walk with him. Our, Our choices will be for him. That's what they say. Listen to this. When Joshua had dismissed the people, all right, y'all go home. The sons of Israel, which went each to his inheritance to possess the land. The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. Then Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in a territory of his inheritance, Timoth Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. All that generation were also gathered to their fathers, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord, nor yet the work which he had done for Israel. Verse 11. Then the sons of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals, and they forsook the Lord, the God of their fathers. Watch what happens here. Bible says he calls them, make a decision. They make a decision. Bible says for the generation that that saw the work of God, they followed God. They honored God. They sought to be obedient. Joshua dies and the elders of the nation that had seen the mighty works of God die, and watch this, the very next generation turns away. The very, it's not three generations, it's not four generations. The very next generation, it says they forsook God and they started worshiping false gods. The very next generation. Here's the question, how does that happen? Open the Red Sea. Cross the Jordan River. How does that happen? Their, their, their granddads could say, I walked across the Jordan River in flood stage. It dried up. We walked across. We got there. There was a city with 10,000 valiant warriors. God took care of that. Their granddaddies. And you know what? The next generation, we don't remember it. How does that happen? How does that happen? Here's, what, here's how it happens. In verse 7, it says, The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who survived Joshua, who had seen all the great work of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Let me tell you how that happens. How that happens is the next generation, one generation, failed to uphold the faithfulness and the character and the trustworthiness of God. It didn't take very many generations for somebody not to say, God is our strength. God is our answer. God has been our help. They did not uphold the character and the trustworthiness of God. And so they lost it all in a generation. Let me tell you this. Today, today in our day, every generation has the same choice. Every generation has to hold up the character of God. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. 
He gave me a Savior in the person of Jesus Christ. Though I didn't deserve a Savior, He went to the cross and died for me. Every generation has to hold up the character and the trustworthiness of God. And when we fail to, one generation, it's gone. Look at our world today. Well, that's their business. We're not going to talk about it. Well, we don't want to upset folks. That's politically incorrect. The generation that goes silent, the next generation is gone. As quick and as fast as that. Today, our generation, if you got kids, if you got grandkids, if there's folks down on your street, if you work with people, you have to say, God is trustworthy. God is faithful. Our hope is in Jesus. He's never left us, and we have to uphold the character of God. The, the minute we stop, the next generation will fall and turn away. Glad you're here tonight. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer, and we'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come tonight. We're thankful for tonight. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for your truth. We're thankful that you lead us, that you care about us, that you love us, that you give us your truth. Uh, we're, we're thankful that we can uh, cling to it and uphold it, and it will hold like an anchor that does not move. Lord, again, I come and I pray for the, the kids and the youth, the other adult classes meeting tonight. Pray that you bless them, encourage them as well. Pray for us in this room uh, all sorts of issues going on in this room, uh, some in, in recent death and some in sadness, some in illness and sickness, uh, some in financial things, some in relationship things. Uh, I pray that we would be mindful our anchor holds and our hope stands and our Savior lives and our answer is Jesus. And I pray that we would not just know that, but we would speak that and we would remind each other of that. And I pray, Lord, that you'd be known and pleased and blessed in it. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Glad you're here. You're dismissed.